0: Hello, welcome to Thought About Food, a podcast on food and food studies. Each episode, we look at important issues around food and we talk to academics, activists, policymakers, and anyone who works around what we eat. My name is Ian Workheiser, and I'm an associate professor at the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, and director of the Center for Collaboration and Ethics at UTRGV. Today is a shorter interview than we'll usually have on the important issue of food insecurity in the pandemic and its economic aftermath, and some of the work that local food organizations are doing to deal with this crisis. I thought this would be a good choice for the second episode of this podcast, to give listeners a sense of the wide range of people we'll be talking to and the things we'll be talking about here. I only mostly talk to food nerds, not exclusively. Today's interview is with Stuart Haniff, Chief Executive Officer for the Food Bank of the Rio Grande Valley. The Rio Grande Valley, or RGV, is where I live and teach. It's right on the border with Mexico, and has its own unique, vibrant culture. I'd encourage everyone to read the book Borderlands, La Frontera, The New Mestiza by Gloria Anzaldúa. She was a wonderful writer, and she speaks so beautifully in that book about borderlands, such as the RGV where she grew up, as places with cultures of their own, rather than just being transitions from one place to another. The borderland of the RGV isn't just cultural, it's also social and legal, If I go south from my house more than about 20 minutes, I'm stopped by Border Patrol at the border with Mexico. But if I drive north for about an hour, through brushlands and past ranches, I'm again stopped by U.S. Border Patrol, who check to make sure I'm a U.S. citizen before letting me into the rest of the U.S. For me, that's an odd experience, as if my house is in some kind of U.S.-Mexico DMZ. But for people who don't have proper documentation, being trapped on either side can be a serious problem when it comes to looking for work, or seeking medical treatment, or just traveling and seeing friends and family. You know, back when travel was a thing that people did. I like it down here in the valley. Sometime I'd love to do an episode of this podcast about the ways that the unique culture in the RGV and the physical and social separation for many of the people here from the countries to the north and south are expressed through the unique food you can find down here. But unfortunately, the Rio Grande Valley has also had to face some serious problems over the last few years. It's been at ground zero for the federal government's moves to build the border wall with Mexico and deploy the National Guard to the border. Children crossing the border without documentation are held here apart from their parents. And in recent months, there have been news stories around the world about how hard COVID-19 has impacted the valley and how much difficulty institutions here have had in addressing the outbreak, both in terms of cases and outcomes, as well as economic impact. This is on top of the fact that, as I mentioned in the interview, The RGV is a major exporter of fresh produce to the rest of Texas and America, but has some of the highest rates of diet-related illness in the country. We export fresh vegetables and fruit, and import diabetes and malnourishment. At the same time though, the people living in the Valley do fantastic work to help one another and address the serious problems that are dropped in their laps. It's in that context that the food bank RGV is trying to mitigate hunger emergencies. I recommend checking out their website, in particular, the emergency relief section Stuart mentions in the interview, which I'll put in the show notes. But for a little background, the Food Bank of the Rio Grande Valley was incorporated in 1986 and has grown to be the largest charity in South Texas based on clients served. It distributes millions of pounds of food and fresh produce every year to tens of thousands of people. And as you'll hear in this interview, that number has shot up in recent months. Stuart Haniff was appointed as chief executive officer in 2019. Before that, he served as Chief Philanthropy Officer for Feeding America Riverside San Bernardino in California, where I'm also from. Uh, just a note, as I mentioned in Episode 1, this conversation is from a couple months ago. The numbers of meals served and people in need have only grown since then from the numbers that he quotes. So here's my conversation with Stuart Hanif. So, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for asking, Ian, and appreciate this opportunity to come on and share. With your listeners and your viewers um, about this unprecedented and uncertain health and financial crisis of COVID-19, sort of some big picture, what we've seen is an unprecedented, staggering uh, increase in demand. It's just really skyrocketed, of 233 percent and rising. And when you think about it, that's actually natural because we have students who there are sometimes their one and only meal that they could count on in schools has been taken away because there is no school. We have seniors who are asked to shelter at home in the interest of safety. And then we have working families, many of whom have been laid off, lost their jobs entirely, or had their hours cut. And as a result, for the first time ever, have had to access a food bank. They've never ever sought assistance before. So that has combined, as we said, for a 233% increase in demand. And to give you sort of a high level, um, perspective. A year ago at this time, we distributed about 3 million pounds of food. A year later now, we're well over 7 million pounds and again continuing to rise. So, as first responders for food here at the Food Bank of the Rio Grande Valley, we're in our 35th year serving Cameron, Hidalgo, and Willacy County. So, we've seen our fair share of disasters and crises, but nobody's ever seen anything like this. And we continue to try to be prepared and not scared and be proactive and not reactive, and make sure we take care of people, but that everyone is taken care of. And the challenge there is managing capacity, because we don't know how long this is gonna last. We've uh, continued to purchase more and more food to try to combat this need and get out in front of this uh, dilemma, this crisis that we're in. So as a result, we've launched our resource readiness and response campaign. Every dollar that's donated provides enough healthy, nutritious food for up to five complete meals. And as a result, from the generous support of our community, our original goal was to raise enough to provide a million meals. We quickly realized that that would not meet this increasing demand. So we're continuing, uh, we have several campaigns going on right now with KRGV, the Heart of the Valley Feeding the RGV, and that campaign has raised more than two and a half million dollars, or two and a half, sorry, provided, um, More than a million and a half um, additional meals. It's raised over $250,000. But as we continue to see the demand go higher and higher, we need to be proactive and prepared for whatever comes next. So, in a nutshell, the need has grown, the demand has grown, the resources have shrunk, and we're trying every day to fill that gap so that nobody in need goes without food.
0: Yeah, I I mean, that certainly makes sense in this kind of uh, time with you know, economic uncertainty and then people's just lives being disrupted. Are there any particular issues that you think face people in the valley, either as a result of COVID-19 or just generally uh, particular issues for people that live down here?
1: I think what this has done is it has really heightened the need and it has raised awareness about the challenges that people face on a daily basis. People are aware that they're hungry people in the valley, and we're feeding 64,000 people in non-pandemic times every single week. But the need is actually much greater. The need is closer to 146,000. Now, as a result of this pandemic, we're serving an average of 72,000 people per week. And we are not built for direct service. We are a distribution center, and we have 275 charity partners about 80% of which are still up and running, still fully functional. With those charity partners, we get the food out to the people directly who are in need. So feeding sites, pantries, churches, the Boys and Girls Club, Salvation Army. We've stepped up our on-site food bank efforts, though, to continue to reach this need and to try to make sure that we can go to the people who are most critical and most in danger of not eating today. So we have our drive through emergency pantry, we've taken our pantry, which is normally inside the food bank and moved it to an outside model. And through that, we serve an average of 72,000 per week, just from that model. Uh, We have two, we have a Tuesday for the general public and Thursday is exclusive for seniors 60 and older. We've also been able with the support of our Texas um, Army National Guard, been able to add pop-up mobile distributions for produce. So we go into the areas that may be underserved, where people have limited or no access to food, very little access to grocery stores, places like um, Willisey uh, County and also in Raymondville where grocery stores are few and far between. Um, Also in Cameron and Hidalgo counties, we serve all three. So we're able to go to the people in need as soon as there's a need and as soon as we have the food because we have the infrastructure. And again we've cut off our volunteer opportunities to the public. So it's created a shortage, a decrease in labor. We have stopped accepting food, drive food, from food donations from the general public just in the interest of safety. So we don't have any food coming in from the public. We don't have any volunteers from the public. So we're trying literally to do more with less. And the Texas Army National Guard has been great. We have a, a staff of 70 strong here in the food bank internally and externally that are getting food in and out as quickly as possible and we're just trying to continue to keep up with the need you know as i said at the beginning we're first responders for food we're on the front lines we just did our largest distribution today it was a mass drive-through emergency pantry and it was at the bird ogden arena in edinburgh And this was an opportunity to provide four times as much food in a distribution than we normally do. Typically, we feed 400 to 440 families. Today, we had capacity for 1,600, and it was a complete, full-out attack on hunger—a combined, monumental team effort with our staff, the National Guard, the City of Edinburgh, Edinburgh Fire, Edinburgh PD, Bird Ogden Arena, making this possible. Because in these unforeseen times, things that we've never ever imagined in, in our lifetime. We have to be more creative and take even more drastic measures to make sure people are fed and taken care of.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. So if you're not accepting direct donations of food or volunteer, I sort of have two questions. One, uh, where, are you, where is the food coming from? Is it donations from grocery stores or are you purchasing it? And then second, how can people uh, who wanna help out, how can they get connected if uh, you know, they can't volunteer right now?
1: Those are great questions. Uh, Ian, and we get our food from a variety of sources. We talk about our resource readiness and response campaign because by having the dollars, we're able to purchase more food. It's as simple as that. more food we have, the more we can build capacity to make sure as the need increases, we have the resources to take care of those in need. We have our retail partners that give us product. We purchase food uh, through USDA, through a variety of federal programs, federal programs that have Uh, been developed as a result of this pandemic that have never existed before um, and have come up as the need has grown. So having those dollars, we don't have the food, we don't have the volunteers, we can actually do more with a dollar than we can with a can of food. A dollar provides enough uh, food for up to five meals, and it allows someone to eat not just today, but for tomorrow. So we're managing those resources, we're building capacity, and we're trying to ensure that since we don't know what comes next, since there's no playbook, that we're prepared for whatever that might be.
0: So, um, I mean, this is a very extraordinary time, but in general in the Valley, who are the people that uh, you see as clients? Who, come, who, who usually utilizes uh, your
1: resources? You know, I talk a lot about the um, invisible face of hunger. People sometimes are surprised by those who are hungry because it's not the typical model of somebody that's homeless or on the street corner. We see students, students that were beneficiaries of the free and reduced lunch program when they were in school. Unfortunately, now they're in college and they don't have free and reduced lunch in college. That's why we started pantries at UTRGV. Some of these students have to make the difficult choice between buying books and buying food. We see seniors in their golden years who may have for one reason or another not have saved enough for retirement or been the victim of financial hardship or crisis, and now they're struggling with the choice of filling their prescriptions or filling their stomachs, and working families, people who work two, three, sometimes four jobs, but unfortunately, the dollars are not there, the resources are not there, they don't stretch far enough, and they utilize our food bank. And I think because of this pandemic, food banks are now in the national spotlight, like national spotlight, like never before. People are aware of the role that few banks have been playing. As I said, we've been here for more than three decades. And we've been fighting hunger and feeding hope that whole time, trying to make sure that we take care of those who are in need. You know, In a typical non-global pandemic, one in four children in our valley go to bed hungry. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. In the rural areas, it's even worse. It's one in two. And as I mentioned, in places like Raymondville, where they may have one grocery store in the entire county people aren't able to stand in long lines at the grocery store because they don't have the grocery stores to stand in long lines for so they rely upon these distributions not just as supplemental food but as their lifeline it's the difference between whether they eat or they don't and the support we're providing is many times life-changing and sometimes even life-saving
0: yeah I mean it's particularly striking those kinds of numbers when you consider that the valley is a food exporter. I mean, we're one of the number one row crop producing areas in Texas and one of the number one row crop producing places in all the United States, in fact. And so for us to be exporting uh food and then importing both hunger issues, food insecurity as well as food-related uh, illness like type 2 diabetes, so people are underfed and malnourished at the same time is you know it's a it's a striking comparison.
1: Well, I think one of the things that really appealed to me, I know that you have my bio. I was actually a resident of Southern California for most of my life and I was recruited and brought here 6 months ago to lead this organization and to be the CEO. And one of the things that appealed to me, I have a healthcare background, I have a master's in health administration, and I was previously at one of the largest food banks in Southern California. And I came up through the development ranks. But for me, coming from a medical family, my focus and my North Star has always been not just feeding people, but moving people from hunger to health through nutrition. And I think one of the extraordinary things about FeedBank RGV is that we're not just focused, and my focus has not just been on outputs, but outcomes. So shortening lines and trying to break the cycle of poverty and break the cycle of hunger. We have. A really state of the art farm and garden here. And we emphasize nutrition. We emphasize um, nutritional education and assistance. And we prioritize that produce that you speak of. You know, we're the produce capital, the produce hub, not just for Texas, but for the whole US. 70% of the produce that comes into our network comes through our bridge here in FAR. And so we take that responsibility very seriously. And it's an opportunity not just to feed people, but to make sure that people are living and practicing a healthier, more nutritious lifestyle. But we need to do a better job of reaching those people who are in need. Obviously now the numbers are thrown completely askew um, because of this pandemic. And the number that really kind of jumps out at me, which is startling, I'm reading here that there's 130,000 individuals facing food insecurity every single week as a result of this pandemic. So there's times when the only product we have in commodities to give out is fresh produce, and we do that because it's a way for people to eat and also to provide them with healthy, nutritious options. We also have our emergency food bag, which is about 20 pounds. It's geared for a family of four, and it can provide them with 17 meals. And it has shelf-stable dried goods, rice, beans, vegetables, fruits pasta uh, things that can keep them going so it's really a, an all-out um, assault on hunger and during this time trying to address the crisis and being proactive making sure that we have the capacity so we take care of people but make sure that everyone is taken care of
0: yeah so um you said that uh the food bank rgv has been around for a few decades how did it get started
1: it actually began as a pantry Um, A church pantry many many years ago long before I came in the 80s Um, and it arose because of the need in the community to take care of its own, to take care of people who are not able to eat. It's gone through many evolutions, it became incorporated um, and it became a 501c3 many years ago. It moved to this state-of-the-art facility, a 112,000 square foot distribution center here in Far, which is an old fruit-packing building. Um, and along the way, we've built up our infrastructure. We now have 275 charity partners who are agency partners who help us get the food out to people in need, and we're going to continue to grow, but we're going to continue to fight hunger and feed hope.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I went to high school and lived in Los Angeles for a long time myself, and actually I was brought um, to UTRGV. The job search was initially for somebody working on philosophy of public health, and I made the case, kind of like you are, that food is intimately connected with public health concerns. And if you want to think about how to intervene uh, in a wide variety of uh, systemic issues, food is a good leverage point for that.
1: It absolutely is. It doesn't discriminate. Um, I I actually was with the Feed Bank in Southern California, Feeding America, Riverside, San Bernardino, and I actually um, went to, to school at UCLA. So I'm very familiar with LA. I lived in Westwood for many, many years. Um, the Food Bank RGV is the largest charity in South Texas, and we, um, as I said, we're first responders for food. And really, for me, uh, one of the biggest things that drew me to this organization in this valley is that health is such a vital part of what we do. And it must be. It's a systemic solution. It's not just feeding the same people over and over again. It's actually working towards... Breaking the cycle of poverty, breaking the cycle of hunger to make sure that those who are in need eat, but that we are treating and taking care of our our community in a healthier, more sustainable manner. We Mm -hmm. want to make sure that we're taking care of the next generation, not just feeding this generation. And I I think health health and nutrition is an integral part of that.
0: I was very struck uh, that there's a food bank operating on UTRGV campus, which I think is a great idea. I mean, it's not the typical you know, sort of assumption that we would think is you imagine, well, I mean, college students sound like a fairly privileged group. They probably have student loans, which will be a problem later, but they can buy food. But actually, there's a lot of food insecurity, even on college campuses.
1: It really is. And we see that. And when we talk about the invisible face and the changing face of hunger, uh, this is certainly a big part of that. We want to make sure that people who we know are struggling, are fed and taken care of. Um, And then the people that we may not know, um, that we're treating them with respect and dignity because we realize this is a difficult battle that they're fighting and it's a struggle and it's a challenge.
0: I know somebody, in fact, at UTRGV who's working on uh, issues of stigma of going to a food bank on campus. I'm wondering, is, do you find that there's much of an issue of people, uh, particularly right now, for the first time having to use these uh, resources, are, is, is there some hesitancy? Is there some stigma that people find attached to it, or is it just too much of an emergency and they aren't worried about it?
1: I think right now, and it's a blessing and a curse. Maybe this has removed the stigma because people have to eat. People have to make sure that they have food. Um, they may not know if they're going to be eating tomorrow, um, but they need to make sure that they're eating today.
0: Yeah. No, I think I think that's definitely true. I mean, one of the one of the real things that can be helpful too is uh, food for children. I know that. Um, like the, the title one elementary school that my children go to are still doing food deliveries to pe- to people from buses, but they're finding far fewer people coming and taking those lunches, uh, than get the free and reduced lunch when they go to the building. Because of course, you know, things come up in the day, parents may not be able to get them there. So even though they're providing that, they're still, um, you know, they're still worried that children aren't having access to it.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: I appreciate so much you taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, So where can people best find uh, your presence online if they want to connect and help out?
1: Yes, we would love for you to visit our website at www.foodbankrgv.com. Click on our resource readiness and response tab. This is our COVID-19 response. This is an opportunity for people to donate. I told you before that $1 provides enough healthy nutritious food for up to five complete meals. And every dollar, 98 cents of every dollar goes directly to feeding people. Every single dollar that's donated stays right here in the Valley, Cameron Hidalgo and Willissey. And this is a way that we can keep up and stay ahead, keep pace with this rising demand of 233%, an increase in pounds that's doubled from a year ago from three to over seven million and rising. And this will allow us to be able to manage the capacity, raise enough, provide enough food, and provide enough meals so that those in need now, the students, the seniors, the working families who have never had to access a food bank before, have enough food to get through this crisis and come out on the other side better than ever before.
0: So Stuart Hannah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Ian. Continued best of luck and we're so thankful for the partnership and the support and the presence of UTRGV. And thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to chat. And I look forward to speaking again soon.
0: Thanks a lot. We will. That was our interview with Stuart Hanif. We have some more podcast episodes coming up about other organizations working on the front lines of food insecurity. If you'd like to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you find your podcasts, I'd appreciate it. It helps people find the show. Follow us on Twitter at Food Thought Pod. And if you have a topic you'd like to see discussed, drop us a line at thoughtaboutfood@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Until then, thanks for listening to Thought About Food. I hope you enjoyed thinking about food with us.